Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> What's up, guys? On to week 17. It's the finale of the regular season. Uh, the Bears, uh, boy, have had, they've had a season, haven't they? Man. And uh, right in the middle of it, a six-game losing streak. And then after that sixth loss to Detroit, and we're packing everybody's bags, man. We're... Pace and Nagy are out. Ted Phillips, you can go right out the door with him. Here are all the guys we're going to be getting rid of, and here's what we're going to be doing in the offseason to get ready for 2021. Then we win a game against Houston. Then we won a game against Minnesota, which put us back in the playoff contention. And then we won last week against the Jaguars, and that actually put us in to the playoffs, which means this Sunday's game is basically our first playoff game. Because to play, to keep on playing, we got a win on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, a team that uh, took us to the woodshed first time around uh, five weeks ago on national TV. So this is, uh, and the worst part of that is that the Packers, as we will talk about with our good friend Evan Weston from Acme Packing Company here in just a moment, they have something to play for on Sunday. There's only one bye week with this new 17 playoff configuration uh, in the NFL, so that bye week has become sacred to a lot of teams. And uh, there are three teams in contention for it in the NFC. It's kind of been a foregone conclusion in the AFC since the Steelers started losing football games and and the, the Chiefs just kept on winning on that side. But, you know, it's uh, it's something that three teams have a shot at on Sunday, and Green Bay Packers are one of them. Currently they sit at number one, and they want to hang on to uh, that bye week. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's enough for them to come to play uh, for real uh, on Sunday when they come to Soldier Field to take on the Bears. So not only are the Bears trying to play their way in, the Packers are trying to hold on to home field advantage uh, in the NFC. And because uh, as you hear Evan Western say, um, you know, the Packers have played in quite a few uh, NFC championship games. They haven't played one in Lambeau since 07. So being on the road in the most important game of the year uh, has not worked out well for Green Bay because they haven't been back to the Super Bowl since, you know, they beat us in Chicago in 2010. Hip, hip, but, uh, you know, they want to be at home. They want to be at Lambeau. And uh, 
they got to beat us in order to make that happen. So we're going to get Green Bay's best on Sunday, and I guess in a lot of ways that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's kind of poetic uh, in a way that in order to make it to the playoffs and have a shot at the ultimate prize, we got to go over our biggest rival and our toughest test in order to do it. So, yeah, I, I you know, I'm not thrilled about it. I was kind of hoping it would be a cakewalk week for, for Green Bay, but uh, it's not. They're coming to play, so we got to bring our best. And uh, here to talk to us about it, Evan Western from Acme Packing Company. So let's go right ahead and dive into it. Myself and Evan Western talking about Bears Packers Week 17 for all the marbles. Five weeks ago, who would have thunk it? Five weeks ago, we were talking to Evan, begging him to uh, tell the Packers to take it easy on us because of the way that we had been playing uh, going into the bye week that uh, we were just expecting total decimation in Green Bay and not expecting at all that five weeks later <laughs> we're actually it's this it's like a playoff game now the Bears uh, you know uh are in charge of their own destiny if they win we're in and even if we lose we might be in and Green Bay playing for the number one seed to hold on to it anyway and so there's something on the line for both parties involved who in who in hell thought that five weeks ago Evan we'd be talking about a football team that would mean something to both teams. Evan, by the way, welcome back to the show, man. Evan Western from Acme Packing Company. What a crazy five weeks, Evan. <laughs> sure is, and, and always a pleasure to be here. So it's uh, it's always it's not Bears Week nowadays without getting a chance to talk to you here. So right. um, it's my pleasure. And, uh, yeah, this, this should be a fun one because, like you said, there's a lot on the line for both teams. Um, if the Packers lose this game – uh, they they are in very real danger of losing out on that top seed and that buy, and yeah. that's something that Aaron Rodgers and or the Packers have only had once in Aaron Rodgers' entire tenure was the top seed, and that was that 2011 year when the defense fell apart late in the season and they went and got stopped by the Giants on their way to the Super Bowl. So, right. having uh, having things come through Green Bay, especially you know the way that they looked in the snow on Sunday night against Tennessee, um, that would be a huge benefit, I think. Uh, to this team uh, coming into the postseason yeah I mean it was um, it's been it's been a crazy month uh, because we backed up um, the game was almost as bad as I thought it was going to be um, we tacked on some garbage touchdowns late uh, in the game but for the most part Rogers uh, because Pagano for some reason thought it would be a good idea to rush three and drop eight so that Rogers would have all the time in the world to find receivers and I think he threw a touchdown pass to Devontae Adams when he had seven seconds in the pocket to find him as as you know as Packer receivers just scrambled left and right across the field waiting to get open because the rushers were not getting anywhere near him in that first game um, hopefully Chuck doesn't do that again because uh, that did not work out well for us not so much and part of me wonders if that was if that was a response to not having Akeem Hicks to kind of pressure yeah. the pocket from the interior, maybe he didn't feel comfortable bringing extra rushers um, to, to kind of supplement that. 
um, and just decided to play coverage. I don't know, but but yeah, whatever the the strategy was, clearly did not work a couple weeks ago. And um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week because the Packers' offensive line has come in, getting Corey Lindsley back the, this last week. Um, they, they're coming in looking very strong um, and have been pretty good in pass protection again. Right. I mean, and well, the thing is, with Rodgers, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because he's good enough to beat you when you're blitzing, and he's also good enough to carve you up when you're dropping everyone else into the secondary because he's got an offensive line that can give him the time for the receivers to get open so you know maybe that's where Pagano was coming from damned if you do damned if you don't I like our chances better in coverage than I do sending the house hopefully he finds something in between uh on Sunday because you know we got to find a a middle ground here because you can't send eight and drop three and Everything Rogers will find a way to smoke you that way, and you can't drop you know, drop eight and send three. Uh, he's just going to sit back there and and cut you up to uh, cut you up to pieces. Um, tell me, what did Tampa Bay do that was so effective? Because that's the one game that I saw yep. where Rogers was rattled. That he was constantly under. I mean, after they got off to like that ten nothing start, Tampa Bay turned up the turn the turn up the heat, and that was pretty much it for the rest of the game. Tampa Bay was on a roll after that. Yeah, I think the key with with Tampa is that they've got two really, really good edge rushers in Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. And so what they were able to do is just sit back, rush four, and they were they were actually getting uh, pressure on Rodgers just rushing four guys. Mm-hmm. And then they were playing real tight man coverage out on the outside um, and, and mostly playing in a, a two-man shell uh, with their two safeties back. And so if if you can get that pressure with four, that's – that's your best and and maybe to your point your only chance at really slowing this offense down um and and i think i don't think there was really any any major secret to it it wasn't anything fancy schematically that they did they just you know they had their their edge rushers were getting home and um yeah that's a that's a tall task against guys like bakhtiari and and even billy turner and and rick wagner who've been really good the last couple weeks too I saw Wagner went out against Tennessee. Did he come back? Is he going to be all right? He didn't. He um he came back or he went back to the locker room on a cart. They think it's a knee. Um, it's it's not major. Um, I was seeing this afternoon that it looks like he was at practice, but um wasn't practicing, uh at least during the the portion that the media was was available to to watch. So that'll be something to watch because I thought it was notable that he started at right tackle still when Lindsley was back. That was a little bit of a departure from earlier in the season where they would have Billy Turner playing right tackle and Lucas Patrick at right guard. So instead, uh, Wagner was in there at tackle. Um, Turner was playing guard and, and Patrick was was on the bench and and came up, came back in uh, and with with Turner moving outside when when Wagner did get injured. So he's he's an important piece uh, to the versatility of this, this offensive line. Um, there's certainly guys that can move around. Turner can do it. Jenkins has basically paid, played every position on the line. So if if he can't go, um, this unit should still be a, a solid five. But it does limit a little bit of, of what they could do if there is another injury that were to take place during the game. Now, Evan, I, I don't know if you've paid much attention to the Bears until like the last week or so um, because it's been a complete role reversal uh, because going into the bye, the defense was solid, you know, and, and I can't tell you how many times during that um, the, during that four-game losing streak going into the bye, I said the defense gave a victory-worthy performance this week. 
It was the offense that completely let us down. Ever since we've come back from the bye, it's been the total opposite. You know, getting getting rolled by by Green Bay, forty one points by the third quarter, uh, that whole uh, mess, uh, th- giving up a, a double digit lead to 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 the Lions the following week, thirty four points. They had that brief like return to form against the Texans, yeah. but the Texans were basically a glued together football team uh, in that one. But then you go out next week in Minnesota, twenty seven points, uh, and then this past week. Uh, even though the points weren't there, the Jaguars pretty much moved the ball up and down the field. Whereas our offense, all of a sudden, we've uh, you know we finally have an offensive line configuration that works for us. David Montgomery has been an animal the last four weeks. I mean, he's he didn't. <laughs> I think he had like 400 yards rushing going into the bye at like 10 weeks. He broke a thousand against the Jaguars uh, <laughs> on Sunday. He's been a machine uh, for us. They've tailored the offense to Mitch Trubisky's abilities. We're moving the chains. We're scoring points. And it's like, great, we have an offense, but now all of a sudden one of the most talented, you know, money-heavy football defenses in football can't play defense all of a sudden. It's like, I'm, I, it's like I don't know if you've noticed this transformation, but it's been baffling yeah. to Bear fans. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to follow. And, you know, the one of the storylines that is, is fascinating to Packers fans about this whole thing is what's going to happen with Trubisky now. You know, going into uh, a year where he's he's going to be needing a new contract somewhere. Um, what I'd, I'd be curious to get your take on on what the plan is there, or you know what will happen, what should happen, because um, I, Packers fans have seen this guy enough and and are are enough of uh, believers in in our defense and in what we've seen from Trubisky in past Packers games to think that this last four weeks has been mostly a mirage on his part. Well, the thing about that is. Um, we we weren't really running the offense then the way that we are now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Trubisky, uh, to his credit, has been speaking up a bit more, probably because he's got nothing to lose. He knows that the end of his contract is at the end of this year. You're either going to do what I ask you to do or what I tell you I can do better to help this football team, or you're not. Either way, I'm probably out of here uh, at the end of the year anyway. So the, the defense, or the, excuse me, the offense is going to look a little bit different that one it did before a lot of more rollouts a lot more boots a lot more play action a lot more Trubisky under center uh as well they, it was almost exclusively a shotgun spread offense before um you know Nagy a Nagy turned over to play calling and b laser and D Filippo and all the cooks in the offensive kitchen are listening to Mitch and what he needs to do you see a lot more Cole Komet than you did before a little bit less Jimmy Graham uh and everything not to mention a much better offensive line so um, as far as his future, in a perfect world, we sign Mitch to a one-year deal. Make him prove that he can do it again before yep. putting any money in him. What's more likely to happen, I hope, is that we, and forgive the example, but it, it, it's the one that, that serves me best, a Mike Glennon-type deal. When the Bears signed Mike Glennon back in 2017, we signed him to a three-year deal worth $45 million, and Bear fans across the world freaked out. I remember that. <laughs> okay. What they weren't noticing was that it was a it was like $17 million guaranteed, and he got almost all of it in the first year. Yep. So we front-loaded the hell out of that contract. When we cut Glennon after the 2017 season, it was like a $2 million cap hit. We need to sign Mitch to a deal like that. 
You know, say if, you know, like the numbers would probably scare you, A, because he's a quarterback. But, you know, say it's like like a four-year deal for $90 million, which is about $22 million a season, which for a quarterback these days, not that that much. You know, it would make him like the second highest paid guy on the team behind Khalil Mack. But as far as a quarterback, he's making half what Mahomes is making. So, you know, but make it like 20 – 20 to 25 million guaranteed he's getting like 22 of it in the first year and so we gotta let him go because he didn't live up to the contract after the first year it's only like a two three million dollar cap hit the bears aren't anchored to him unlike what we did with jay cutler in 2013 when he's when when it was like you know well is it cutler or is it mccown that was the better quarterback because both of them had you know really good seasons in Tressman's system so we right. give him seven years most of which it was like four years guaranteed it took us to get rid of him. You know, we had to stick with Cutler because we were anchored to, to, to his guaranteed money for like four seasons. The Bears probably would have gotten rid of him sooner, or at least I know Ryan Pace would have uh, if they didn't sign him to a deal like that. So we can't sign Mitch to, you know, a huge contract that's going to spread out the guaranteed money uh, over years and it's going to hamstring. I mean, we're already having salary cap problems going into this offseason. We can't do anything else that's going to anchor us even more uh, to that. Like, they can't go all in on Mitch, not after a five-game sample size. Yeah. No, that makes sense, and that that would that, that definitely makes the most sense what you're describing from a contract structure of, yeah. of what would what would be the ideal situation. So, yeah, it uh, – that, that – I think if I were in your shoes, that's what I'd be hoping for as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for bringing him back if we're going to do what we've been doing. You know, not and, and we they can't spend because right now it looks like Nagy's coming back and probably pace too. We'll see, but they they can't spend the off season trying to teach Mitch how to run Nagy's offense. They need to spend the off season trying to enhance what's working now. You know, and and run that offense and work and keep doing what's working for him instead of you know Nagy and his ego thinking that it's the scheme that works and you know we just need him to teach. We just need to teach them how to run it better and all that nonsense. If they keep doing what they've been doing, then absolutely bring Mitch back. Let's run it back again, see how it works uh, on a full season. But uh, if, they, if they're going to try to spend the offseason teaching Mitch how to be uh, Mahomes, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. So, you know, and, and, and like we were saying before, it's, it's concerning um, because we have – all pro talent at each level of our defense, not to mention we have guys that are ranked among the highest paid on all three levels of our defense, and yet our rank in the defensive rankings has slipped considerably from where it was in the Minnesota game before the bye to where it is now. You know, And we started that downslope by giving up 41 to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in, in Lambeau uh, five weeks ago, and, and one of my biggest concerns is that you know, hey, we have this offense that we can score points, but I'm afraid that our defense is going to make it so that we can't keep up. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been fun watching this Packers offense all year. To be to be perfectly frank, yeah, like uh, Rogers' resurgence this year is pretty incredible when you consider the 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 years that he's had in the last probably two seasons or so. Um, you know, playing at still a, a, a good level for an NFL quarterback, obviously, but not to his to his standard. 
um, you know, over these last couple seasons. And for for them to have turned this around and be basically the number one offense in the NFL, you know, put them right up there with the Chiefs. Um, with really no major personnel changes, I know we kind of talked about this last time too, but um, you know, no no major additions is really impressive. And I actually wrote about this a little bit today. That um, one of the things that I think has gone under the radar is the fact that the Packers had some major addition by subtraction by getting rid of Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison because those two guys combined for 115 targets last year, and and Allison especially was an absolute albatross um, anytime you throw him the ball. And so you distribute those targets to, you know, to, to Adams is getting more targets this year. Um, you get an MVS in a little bit. And Robert Tunyon, a tight end, who's been, who I think is is a, an egregious Pro Bowl snub. Oh, yeah, this season. for sure. I agree. Um, you know, you get him to, to those guys who are playing at a high level and, and, and are being very efficient. And all of a sudden, yeah, this, this offense looks damn near unstoppable and really the only couple times that it feels like they have been been truly stopped outside of that tampa bay game which was you know we've, we've already talked about mm-hmm. the other couple times when they've gotten slowed down it, it's really seemed very self-inflicted um the vikings game in in lambo in november the jaguars game two weeks later um those are their you know two of their lower point outputs this season and both of those felt like the the offense was just stuck in neutral the whole time and didn't really have any flow to it. So that was something that we were very concerned about last week against Tennessee was, you know, in the snow, in the wind, is is this team going to go into a shell a little bit and, you know, not really, you know, not have any flow to it? Are they going to not take any shots downfield? Because um, that kind of happened against Carolina two weeks ago too at Lambeau was they didn't throw the ball deep at all in that game. But instead, against Tennessee, they came out. They were Rodgers was throwing the ball to all levels of the field. They got the ground game going with Aaron Jones and, and even AJ Dillon, um, and just whipped that Tennessee defense, which is not very good, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but you know, jumped out to a, a, an early three touchdown lead, and you know, even though Tennessee kind of clawed back a little bit to within a touchdown, um, you know, Lafleur followed his uh, mantra from last year the all gas, no effing break in the second half of that game, which has been a problem at times. Um, and and they, they ended up getting their biggest win under Lafleur from from a point differential standpoint last week against a you know a really good Tennessee offense. Um, obviously that defense is again not very good, but um, yeah, it's just been a joy to watch and you know Rogers looks like he's having fun. The body language is, is completely different from you know from two years ago at the end of the McCarthy year and even a little bit last year when he was still getting situated in, in the offense and kind of learning to to flow. And, and right now, I mean, I don't see any way you can really argue with the fact that I think he should be the MVP front runner um, with Mahomes obviously having a great season too, but um, you know, the way Rodgers has turned it around this year and just sustained outside of that one Tampa game, tremendous success throughout the whole season. Um, I, I'd be shocked at this point if if he doesn't win the win the MVP this year. And actually, I would have to agree with you because after watching the Chiefs play for the last month, they figured out a way to win all of their football games but one, but they've really kind of tapered off in yeah. this last month. I'm really feeling like right here, right now, uh, you know, let me make the bold prediction that I think the Chiefs are going to be one and done in the playoffs this year. I, they have been, yeah, they've won so many of these games. They are ripe close. for it, man. 
Yeah. Yep. And I've been kind of, I've been right there with you. Um, I think what three points, three points, two points, something like that. Um, every game has been, you know, with, within a, a really slim margin of error. And that was one of the things that the Packers got criticized for big time last year was that they went eight and one in one score games. We're not hearing that sort of criticism about the chiefs this year. And that I yeah. find a little annoying when they've won. I th- is it six in a row maybe um, by just single digits? I, I, I need to. All I know I is that whenever stuff, I'm looking yeah. in on the Chiefs, it is nail-bitingly close, and they've won a couple of games because guys missed field goals at the final gun yep. of the of the game. They almost had to go over to overtime this past Sunday against the Falcons when that Pro Bowl kicker of the Falcons missed a field goal to tie it yep. uh, at the end. And think they've been, you know, these these games. They they are an outstanding football team. They can rack up points on you, but they've been struggling lately, and they're not playing the best football going into the postseason. And as we've seen the last few years, it's not the team with the best record. It's the team that's playing the best football in the playoffs that will most likely go uh, on a run. And while the Chiefs have the muscle and the firepower to do it again, they're not playing like it right now. Nope. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's seven games in a row that they've won by six points or fewer. Wow. Yeah. And and to your point, yeah, a couple of those were, you know, the Miami game. They, they probably should have lost Atlanta game probably should have at least gone to, to overtime. Carolina, um, they should have lost. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, the the team in the AFC that that I, I like to, to probably upset them would be Buffalo. Yeah, I think they've been playing great. Josh Allen has has far exceeded any you know expectations that I would have had for him. He and Stefan Diggs are tremendous together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've been they've been a lot of fun to watch. And, yeah, I'd, I'd be very worried about playing Buffalo if I were if I were Kansas City. But, yeah, I mean, in the NFC, to me, you know, especially after coming off of the, that game Sunday night, Green Bay looks like they're they're primed and ready for for playoff football. It's been such a crazy year in the <laughs> NFC yeah. this year. I mean, crazy enough that at five and one, the Bears were the number one seed uh, in the NFC. I mean think about that but also at that time of the year when the bears were five and one the best team in the nfc was seattle because of how hot they were and you know the amazing start that that uh russell um wilson jesus christ i can't believe i was gonna say russell crow how ridiculous would that have been (laughs) russell wilson uh was on you know the, the the rams were struggling and then at one point like in the middle of the season the rams looked like the team to beat uh, in the NFC, they you know even though they've been in first place for like one week the whole season uh, and everything, we're we're looking at this team. We're looking. At, I mean, nobody's been talking about the NFC East, obviously, but right. you know it's it's been New Orleans is the best. It's Green Bay, um, you know, or it's like Green Bay has the best record, but but are there's been a lot of doubt in Green Bay mm-hmm. actually. There it is when it comes to talking about who the best team in the NFC is. It's been New Orleans. It's been Seattle uh, for a for a spell. It was the Rams. Um, you know, and I think you're right that they kind of cemented their claim, not only to the number one seed, but to be the best looking team uh, in the NFC on Sunday when they when they pounded the uh, pounded the Titans. And, um, you know, it's 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 been such a crazy up and down year that, you know, now we're on to like our fifth team that looks like the team to beat uh, in the NFC. Yeah, uh, I think really these last couple of weeks you've seen the Packers defense turn a little bit of a corner mm-hmm. um it started with probably that bears game um you know that that, that week 12 game 
um, that was when the turnovers started to started to come in bunches. I guess they got a couple in the Colts game the week before, but you know they gave up tons of yardage in that that one. But um, they've been opportunistic in the last couple of weeks. Um, and again, that's that's an example of them not playing exactly a murderer's row of of offenses with um, you know Chicago before they seem to figure it out and mm-hmm. Philly and Detroit. But um, but they've looked drastically better, um, and then they carried that through on Sunday with with Tennessee. I mean, that was the best performance from the Packers' run defense that I've seen probably since like 2014, when that defense was actually really good. Um, holding Derrick Henry to less than 100 yards in the snow, not letting him have a carry longer than 10 yards, um, is is borderline incredible. Um, after having watched this run defense just get gashed time and time again. Um, you know, over the last few years. So that I think is the biggest reason, you know, the offenses have been consistent and very good to excellent all season long, but now it seems like they're pairing that with a defense that is opportunistic. It's finally got getting the turnovers that they, they weren't getting early on in the season. Um, Darnell Savage has been amazing these last six weeks or so. The, the second year safety, he's been tremendous. Um, again, that kind of got jump started with his two picks against Chicago. And so, um, the, the secondary generally looks really good. The pass rush has, has come together. It's, it's finally looking like this team is getting complete and it's happening at the perfect time. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Bearstock Underground is also brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of the hair on their balls. If you let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. Uh, Manscaped is here to give you a fresh start in 2021 with their Perfect Package 3.0 that has all the right tools for the job. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The third-generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow up you need in 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there this new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for the -the on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. 2020 was awful, so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in the uh, in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear you'll ever wear. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. Make Santa proud. Your balls will thank you. And with that, let's get back to the show. Yes, and speaking of defenses, you know, it's, it's funny to me that that's my major concern going into this game is that I'm not concerned because in years past it would be, you know, our defense is going to keep us in the game. It's up to our offense to outscore Green Bay because there were those years and, you know, they're still happening now, but in the past, you know, say five to ten years or so where Green Bay seemed to have this golden ticket as far as scoring points against everybody and then would struggle mightily against the Bears but be able to score just enough to win almost all of those games. So it's like and think about that team in 2011. Um they they go 15 and 1, they're breaking the scoreboard against everybody and and the, in like the games against the Bears there's like 17 and you know 20 or something like that when they're averaging like 35 40 points uh, a game, but in those games our offense could muster 10 or 13 points, it could never get over the hump. Now we're coming into a game where we're averaging over 30 points a game for the last 4 weeks. But our defense is having trouble getting itself off of the uh, field. And it's unfamiliar territory for Bear fans coming into a Packer game thinking that we're going to have to get into a shootout to win against Green Bay. Yeah, and and the way to do that, right, is at least keep it close. Because if you can keep it close and and maintain balance on offense, that's where you can – can have success against the Packers D if they're getting you consistently into third and longs um, or, or you have to become one entirely one dimensional and rely on the passing game. That's where they're the, the Packers defense is going to going to kill you because you get the, the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary are going to start teeing off off the edge. Um, they're going to the safeties are going to start jumping routes and and you're going to be in big trouble. So, you know, maintaining that that game, you know, that that close uh, that close point differential throughout, um, stay you know staying within a score, being able to stay balanced on offense, um, that's the the key I think to to beating the Packers in a shootout because I don't think I think that this defense is very much built to play from ahead, um, and and it's the the one thing that has happened occasionally that has let teams get back in is there have been a few weird inexplicable lulls on the offense in like the third quarter. Um, it happened against Carolina. Uh, it happened a little bit against Philly, I think, where things just kind of bogged down in the third quarter a little bit, and um, they they can't can't get out of their own way a little bit, a little bit of execution, a little bit of play calling things. But um, that was not the case against Tennessee. The run game was was really clicking, um, and and they really leaned on that in the second half, and and that was I think the key to to Green Bay pulling away from Tennessee on Sunday. So um, that would be the one thing I would watch out for is um, you know keep it close if if you can, and um, just if if Green Bay is up by two scores at halftime, they as long as they don't go into their little funk that they have been known to do recently in the third quarter, um, then they should be pretty poised to to be in good shape. Well, that's what was most concerning coming out of the. I mean, coming out of the bye. I mean, first of all, Nagy's record coming out of the bye is terrible. I think he's zero for out of legitimate bye weeks. He's zero and three. He hasn't won a game yet coming out of the bye. The mini buys, like after Thursday night games, I think his record is like. 
two and three or you know one and three <laughs> something like that. He's 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 terrible when this when this team has rests. Apparently, he doesn't know how to get us prepared <laughs> uh, to play a football game. But um, you know, it wasn't so much that Green Bay was scoring points. They always do that. It was these long, methodical fourteen play, eighty yards, nine play, seventy five yards that you know they were just rolling it down like the defense just could not get itself off of the field you know and it yep. just that was the that was the part that was most concerning cuz the, the packers they're a big play offense you got adams out there you know you can hit one and, and you know you're off and running just like that you know as far and, and then you know scoring points is not a new thing uh, in a bears packers game it was the you know the long drawn out Going into the fourth quarter, I think you had like a full quarter time of possession advantage uh, over the Bears before we scored those garbage touchdowns in the fourth quarter there uh, and everything. It was just a methodical beating of the offense, or excuse me, of the defense. That's most concerning. Um, and it, it basically has been the same since then as far as, you know, aside from that Texans game, we pretty much just let the defenses or the offenses uh, roll it down the uh, field and that's what's been the most frustrating part is that we have Khalil Mack and uh, Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and this outstanding rookie in in Jalen Johnson and yet we got offenses racking up yards and breaking the scoreboard on us every single week leaving it up to an offense that's not really used to it having to keep pace or score more <laughs> than the defense is giving up it's just it's and it's it's like it was in 2013 when Tressman was out there and Cutler and the offense and Forte and all those guys were were you know second best offense in the NFL behind what Denver did in 2013 I don't know if you remember that yep. but um you know and then it was our off our defense that was our calling card they got old overnight no Erlacher, all tons of injuries and we're giving up 30 points a game uh you know and that's why we went 8 and 8 uh that year it's um it's unfamiliar territory for Bear fans that we're, we're more excited about the offense than we are for the defense. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned the long drives, and I think that's something that's worth touching on too is you know, the Packers have had some explosive plays. Um, they've broken off some big runs in, you know, on, on the ground. They've, every once in a while they'll get Marquez Valdez-Scantling going on the deep balls, um, and you get Devontae Adams breaking a big one once in a while, but but really this offense has been perfectly content to you know take the short to intermediate throws, um, put themselves in you know good down and distance situations and convert on third downs. They're the second best second best offense in the NFL in converting on third down this year, and they're the best in in scoring touchdowns once they get in the red zone. So those the situational things they've been tremendous at this year and a lot of that is because just fundamentally they're you know they're getting themselves in third and medium third and short a lot and they're they're not getting stuck in third and longs and LaFleur's play calling has been really good in those situations um between you know dialing up some really good play action concepts um the tight ends have been big on third downs moving the chains and you know it, i think there it's it's all of that plus Rodgers being willing to just not take the shot and and take the underneath pass to to keep moving the ball down the field and maintain possession um, because he knows that the, the big plays are going to be there eventually. Um, and, and he knows that once you get inside the red zone, this team is almost always going to score a touchdown. So it's 
I think there's a mentality there. There's there's a you know we will we will hold the football. We were we will wear down your defense, and um, yeah, it's it's worked especially in the first halves. That that seems like that's been the approach a lot in the first half of games lately. Is let's go on these 10, 12, 14 play drives, and and hold the ball for you know 20 minutes or more in the first half. And then we can start to to work in the explosive plays in the second half, and it's it's been tremendous. And what's what's scary about that is that it's a recipe for one thing for your opponents each and every week is that you have to be close to perfect to win the game against yep. these guys, because any kind of mistake, you know, you're giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, and he's got the capability to kill you on one play, or He'll give you the you know death of a thousand cuts on a thirteen play drive that'll eat up eight and a half minutes and you know uh, you know ultimately end up in points like you said best red zone offense in the NFL uh, and, and and you know I I feel better about our chances this week coming into it because aside from two monumental brain farts on Trubisky's part in the uh, in the red zone, I'm sure you've seen these interceptions yeah. uh, that he threw. Whew. Just throw them yeah. away, man. Just throw it away. <laughs> throw it away. No, I'm going to throw it into traffic. There's nine guys in the corner of them. Six of them are Jaguars. One of ours will come down with it. No, doesn't work that way, dude. <laughs> so, but, I mean, aside from those two, he's been a lot smarter with the football. Uh, we've been smarter with the play calling, mixing it up a lot more. Montgomery in the last two weeks, 36 carries, 23 carries and averaging four and a half yards a carry in both of those games. So, you know, I think we'll have a better chance at third medium to third and short, which means you guys won't be able to pin your beers back and come get us on third down because it's not third and 12 and third and nine, uh, you know, and Trubisky has to drop back, which is a weakness of his somehow. And, you know, offensively, I like our chances. And defensively, there's always that thought of what they're capable of, right? What this defense has the talent to do, and you know what their capability is. And if our defense wakes up, nobody is going to want to play us. Nobody. Now that we figured it out on offense, and the the beast is uh, known as Khalil Mack is, has awoken, no one's going to want to play us. But we haven't seen them put it together as a whole team yet. I mean, unless you want to count the Houston game, which I don't. So, <laughs> you know. I mean, we yep. did it all there. We sacked Deshaun Watson seven times. Trubisky was perfect. We put up 36 points. We got turnovers on special teams and on defense. You know, we did it all. But the Texans are the Texans this year. They're terrible. And aside from being able to splash the headline, Trubisky beats Watson, there's really nothing to talk about in that Houston game. So, yep. um, you know, it's um, we haven't seen them do it uh, in a complete game yet. And as a lot of people have been saying, ho-hum, you put up points against the Jags, the Vikings, and, you know, the Lions and the Texans. Though All four of those teams are bad, and their defenses are terrible, so big deal, you're, you're scoring 30 points against them. Do it against the real team. Well, the real team's coming to town on Sunday, so the test is here. And yep. as we talked about before we started recording, I think it's appropriate that the Bears are going to have to play themselves in on this one now we might be able to sneak in through the back door but i think it will it would do a lot for them with their confidence and um basically how wide even though like the records are kind of top heavy in the nfc it's still a wide open conference 
right now. I mean, it's you guys and then it's everybody else. So it's whoever's going to be playing Green Bay in the NFC Championship right now. It could be anybody's uh, game because nobody's going to go all in on Seattle. No one's going in all in New Orleans. There are vulnerabilities there. These guys can lose games. Plus, when's the last time the Saints actually won a playoff game? Yeah. So, I mean, nobody's really afraid of anybody outside of Green Bay going into this thing, which means the Bears have just as good a chance to anybody if they get into the postseason. Well, and here's a here's a crazy thought too, though, right? If if the Bears win, obviously they're they're in with a win, right? Yep. Um, depending on how some of those other results shake out, if um, you know, the Packers could end up falling all the way down to the third seed if if Chicago <laughs> wins this game, okay, and that could set up a rematch next week in Lambeau Field. Yeah, in if Arizona <laughs> wins, yeah, <laughs> right. If Arizona so, wins, they'll be the sixth seed ahead of Arizona. So yeah, yeah. So that uh, th- that's going to be real interesting because obviously the Packers don't want a situation like that. Obviously, you know they're going to be um, dead set on getting that bye week uh, in in the wild card round. Yeah. But um, yeah, that that's just a a, a seeding thing that I that actually just came to me. And I'm like, oh crap, this could be you know, Chicago wins this week. That's there's a very good chance of a rematch. Uh, seven days later, six or seven days later. Well, the funny thing is there's also a really good chance of a rematch two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, if if you guys, uh, you know, win the game and we back our way in as the seventh seed, that would send us to whoever the two seed is, New Orleans or Seattle, however that shakes out. Let's say we win that game. The worst seed always goes to the top seed, which would be you guys. So if we win a game and the, we win a wild card round, our reward is to go to Lambeau. And play the Packers again, so yeah, it would be uh, really interesting to to see how it all. It seems like those roads are kind of just converging, no matter what, uh, yeah. in this one. So, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of person. I always remember things. I got a funny memory in the way that I remember things. And the one thing I remember, Evan, and I'm sure you remember it very well, the last time that these two teams met, Week 17 at 3:25 in Chicago. <laughs> was week 17 2013 and the chris conti game uh, i remember remember that vividly we actually uh we did a game watch of that uh this summer when we were trying to figure mm. out if if we were even going to have football this fall right uh, we pulled it up on um the whole game is up on youtube and we did kind of a live game watch um turned into a podcast and published it and everything and and that was uh that that's a uh, a game that definitely is uh, will, will be forever um, looked back on fondly by by Packers I, fans who remember where they were. I still wake up screaming, Evan. I swear <laughs> to God. I mean, the the one person who didn't get the audible just. Yep. Oh, yeah. I watched the the condensed version, the highlights yeah. on on YouTube, and you know Connie picks off Rogers in the end zone on the first drive. They got a tip drill interception on the second drive and mm-hmm. everything. The Bears are putting points on the board and Cutler slinging it all over. Forte's running all over the place. And somehow at the end of this thing, it's 28 to 27. And it's just like, <laughs> all right, how did we get here? <laughs> oh, right. Because Pepper smashed uh, Rodgers and the ball goes flailing around and nobody picks it up. And who that, was it that picked it up? The Jared Boykin. Jared yeah, that's, Boykin. That's one of those plays that, that – everybody kind of forgets about until you you watch it back and you're like oh yeah that's right that happened in that game yeah you know 
Um, yeah, he just picks yeah. it up and he's standing there and everyone's looking at him. And so he just kind of <laughs> jogs into the end zone and it's a touchdown because sure enough, Peppers did finally get to Rodgers, knocked the ball loose before he threw the ball. It's a fumble and all the Bears are kind of standing around. And the only thought me and my buddy had when we were watching this thing happen live was if Lovey was still the coach, that would not have happened. <laughs> yeah. Because sure. Lovey was all about it. Anybody, anytime the ball's on the ground, you pick it up. Yep. Pick up a ball, it's on the ground. So somebody in a bear uniform would have picked that up if Lovey was still the head coach, but it yeah. didn't happen that way. I do at least appreciate that um, they've they've tweaked some of the replay things to allow for clear recoveries. So at least I feel like nowadays you would never have that happen, um, just on the off chance that you know even if even if they thought it was an incomplete pass in the field, it seems like every every team has the awareness now at least to to grab that thing just on True. the off chance. Yeah. Um, because they're they're allowing the the clear recovery like that, and I think that's the right the right move on on the league's part to to have made that that change. But um, yeah, that's that's always one of those fun ones to to look back on. Was that the oh. one where where Jared Boykin also like blocked a punt with his face, or was that in 2014? I, I that think might that have been the 2014 game. season. It but, might have been um, another game. That was another fun one. But. Yeah, I don't think we. No, I didn't see a block punt. No, in, yeah, that's that's right. That was that was I think the, that one. Early but 2014. The, game. That was the one where um, I think. Um, uh, at the end there, Jeffrey had a chance to catch the ball and it hit him in the chest and he dropped it. Yeah. Uh, it would have put us in a better spot to uh, to be closer to the end zone there at the end. Um, I don't know, man. I just uh, – I hated Chris Conti. I, <laughs> I never liked him. You know, it always seemed like – I mean, and it's it's not his fault. He played on a very bad defense, so he was always the guy in run support because – you know, we also had like one of the worst run defenses that year. So he was always the last line of defense. And it just seemed like he would come and it would be pointless for him to even try because the running back would just run right past him or juke him out of his shoes or something like that. He's like, this guy is goddamn useless. And, <laughs> you know, so I was not a fan of his, even though it was like, oh, sweet, Chris Conti, interception in the end zone, way to get things going, buddy. And then at the end, it's like, who was the one guy who missed the call? Yep, Chris, damn Conti, swear <laughs> to God, man. Yeah, that so. was that was also the game in the play that c- cemented uh, John Coon's lore in in Packers fans history, right? Mm. Uh, making the block on Peppers on that play, yeah, um, just getting just the the little chip on him coming off the edge to to get just enough to keep him from getting to Rogers in time. So, yeah, as a football fan, what a fun game that was, man! Just mm-hmm. back and forth. With those two teams, that that touchdown that that Marshall caught there at the end, yeah, does that spin move and loses the football, turns around and has to find it again and makes that great catch uh, in the corner. The two rivals going back and forth, outstanding. As a Bear fan, nightmare fuel, all it is, <laughs> just absolute nightmares. I'll take that one to my grave. Oh God, that one hurts so bad. Yeah. It hurts so bad. Oh man. So yeah. Because we could have kept you guys out, oh, you yeah. know. It was it was it was a it was a bad year for the division as a whole. Eight and or eight seven and one is what you guys were. Would have you know wins the division. You go to the playoffs and everything, and uh, yeah. So we would have kept you out. We'd have been in the playoffs. We'd have been taking that offense to the off season or to the postseason. See what they can do. Maybe the defense can put something together and we win a game or whatever. But no, no, Chris County didn't happen. Yep. So, 
All right. So, Evan, what are you guys looking for this weekend? I mean, is is I mean, I know you guys want to win, but you don't have to win. You're already in. What is more important, getting the win or coming out healthy so you're ready to go full strength? I most of the time I would probably say the latter, but yeah. the the one seed I think has as much of a psychological advantage this year, yeah, especially as ever, year, yeah. because there because there's only one buy, um, because the Packers have, you know, so many times in the last couple of years they have gone to an NFC Championship and had to play it at in another stadium. Yeah. The last time, the last time, believe this, or, believe it or not, last time the Packers played an NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field was 2007 in Brett Favre's last game as a Packer. Right. Um, obviously, the the 2010 game was was at Soldier Field. Sorry yep. to bring that up again too, but yeah. um, well. you know the three that they've played in since then have have been in Seattle, Atlanta, and San Francisco. So having the home field would be a huge psychological advantage, and then having that bye week to to get anybody potentially. Um, you know, with any any nicks and dings and things, um, give them a, a week off to re- rest and, and rehab a little bit um, would be huge. So I fully expect the Packers to to go all out um, to to try to win this game because they don't want to try to have to back into that that one seed, right? I mean, you're relying on if the Packers lose, they need both New Orleans and Seattle to drop um, to drop their games, or at least I take it back. I think they they would need. Seattle to lose um, to San Francisco, which seems extremely unlikely at this point. So um, with Seattle having something to play for. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, um, it's not a, it's not a, a fun uh, prospect of playing a game again next week um, and, and having to, to deal with that so well and the other fun part is that all of these games are going to be taking place at the same time uh-huh that's um, that's the beauty of the nfl doing flex scheduling for for all of the week 17 games right yeah. you put all the games that don't matter at one o'clock you get all the 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 impactful ones together to make sure that everybody who has something to play for you know has to to, to go all out and and yeah you know a put the best product on the field for the casual fans and then just B make the games more, more interesting from that perspective. So yeah, it's, I I'm, you know, as, as just a football fan, I love that they've done that as a Packers fan. I would love it if, you know, we could know if the saints and Seahawks had lost before, <laughs> before yeah. playing. Um, yeah, but, I think, uh, I wonder yeah. how much scoreboard watching will affect the outcome. Mm-hmm. of the game like if they see like hey look at that carolina's way out in front of new orleans right now or you know look at that uh you know seattle's not you know doing so hot against san francisco they're down 17 with you know 10 minutes to go in the third quarter or something like that will uh will green bay step off the gas or or anything like that or will like you say be all gas and no effing break throughout the all four quarters just to make sure that you get your win yeah and my hope is that it's the latter right that you know, too much goofy thing, goofy crap can happen in this yeah. game, in this sport to, to take anything for granted. So um, go out, get the win, you know, take the added satisfaction in potentially knocking your your biggest and oldest rival out of the playoffs along Again. with it. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think they, the Packers will not be short on motivation. That's for that's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and therein lies the uh, the rub, if you will. 
yep. that uh, you know we were kind of hoping. Is it me or has the seedings just gotten a lot more complex this year? Adding the seventh playoff team really adds another layer of of wackiness because because right not only do you have the extra team but again you've got the the number one seed taking on that added importance with being the only well you know, i mean the only buy in either conference but did it, i miss did i miss something did green bay and seattle play each other and i missed it no no seattle's so um, how would it, seattle own a tiebreaker over green bay if they finished 12 and 4 there's a it's the common opponent tiebreaker i Ugh. think that's um that comes into play at that point. Yeah. Um, so they would have that, that advantage over the Packers. Obviously if the Packers finished tied with the saints in just a two way tie, Green yeah. Bay beat, beat new Orleans earlier this season. So, um, but yeah, if it's, if it's a two way tie Packers and Seahawks, or if it ends up somehow as a three way tie, all three of those teams at the top, uh, Seattle actually wins the, the three way tiebreaker because of, um, I believe it's the, the record against common opponents. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that's what's got the Bears ahead of Arizona yep. right now because we have a same – both are 6-5 and five in the conference uh, in the NFC. And it's like I think we only have like four opponents in common, but the Bears are like 3-2 and because we got two games against the Lions and only one for uh, Arizona. But Arizona's like 1-3 and three against common opponents. The Bears are 3-2, and two, mm. and that's what's – there's your advantage. Uh, right there, because we don't, we don't, we play Arizona next year. We don't, we haven't played them uh, yeah. this year. So, yeah, definitely some some weird tiebreaker situations coming into play. And yeah, I can't, I can't remember a, a year in the last couple of years where you potentially had like a three way tie for the top seed in the yeah. NFC, right? You know, I think that that just on its own adds in that that complication, and um, you know, could lead to this the craziness of having to figure out. It, Packers fans have already been too deep in the weeds on you know figuring out which tiebreakers apply when, and you know I've been spending right. a lot of time on that myself, even over the last two or three weeks to to kind of figure out. All right, well they could lose the game to the Titans as long as they don't lose to the Bears because of the conference record tiebreaker and you know, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you know I, I get down the rabbit hole a little bit on that one. Well, in a while. it's just that going into Sunday, all I was concerned about was Green Bay beating the Titans because if they beat the Titans. The worst they can do is twelve and four, and the Saints can finish twelve and four. They've got the tiebreaker over New Orleans. They're locked in at number one, and then at halftime, that Cernaki or whatever the hell that guy's <laughs> name is on NBC is like, "Oh no, we're going to break down the scenarios here," and all of a sudden, Seattle's the number one. Seeing like, wait a minute, Green yep. Bay's got something to play for next week. <laughs> oh, what the hell, man! Yeah. So it's like I, <laughs> you always knew that because you know. Forgive me. Aaron Rodgers is a dick and loves to beat Chicago. That there was a chance that he'd probably play next week anyway. But the fact that he has to in order to cement the number one seed, it's like that's that's all we need right now, man. Yeah. I mean, come on. Then Jared Goff breaks his thumb. Now it looks like Arizona and Kyler Murray's playing on Sunday. Not looking good for the Arizona Rams matchup. We have to win this game on Sunday. So yeah. 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 Not liking that. Not liking it at all. Yeah. So anyway. Evan, it's been great as always, man. Um, good luck on Sunday and going forward if we don't get a chance to talk again in two weeks when we play each other in the divisional round <laughs> or the wild card or or, or whatever. But uh, uh, stay close to your Twitter DMs if we end up getting seated with each other so Absolutely. we can do this again next week. You bet, man. All right, Evan Western, Acme Packing Company. 
hopefully taking some kind of mercy on us, let us in the postseason because <laughs> we Bear fans sure could use it. You know, it's it's just too bad that that guy is a Packer fan because he is a really great guy, and I do enjoy uh, talking to him. Look forward to it, oddly, uh, each and every week uh, that we play uh, Green Bay. And, uh, you know, if the football gods are up to it, we may get a chance to talk to Evan again, uh, whether it be because we won and that slid Green Bay down to the three seed. And if we win and the Rams win, or excuse me, if we win and the Cardinals win, then the Bears are the sixth seed, not the seven, which means we'd be going to the three seed, which very well could be Green Bay if we win on Sunday. Or, uh, you know, if we go, if we get in as the as the seven seed, like if the Rams win, then we're in uh, as the seven if we, you know, uh, we're in period if the Rams win because, uh, we, you know, we have the tiebreaker over the Cardinals. And, um, you know, w- which we'll, we'll go to the two seed and... Um, you know, let's say we beat the two seed, then we're going to the one seed, which would most likely be Green Bay, and then, yeah, then we're back at it again. So chances are we might be talking to Evan Western again if we make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, could be exciting, and, um, you know, I always enjoy having him uh, on the show. So, um, yeah, you know, we got the deep dive preview to talk about it, but this is it, guys. You know, this is... This is what we play for right here. This is what we, uh, uh, this is what we, the, these are the moments, you know, and, and I think this is kind of what, uh, you know, Roderick Dell kind of envisioned when he, you know, kind of made it a mandate that the last game of the season has to be a division game. Um, you know, for the last several years, that has been a very boring proposition uh, for us Bear fans, uh, be sending us to Minnesota every single year. And, uh, you know, most of the time, that game only means something to one of the teams the last two years. Uh, two years ago was Minnesota trying to play their way in when the Bears already had their spot locked up. Last year, the Bears were playing for 500. Minnesota was resting because they had already made their playoff push uh, and everything. So, uh, you know, and this year we're at home. It's Soldier Field. It's Green Bay. We're trying to make it into the playoffs Green Bay's trying to secure the one seed and keep us out, uh, you know. And um, and you know what? It's I don't even think it's all of that. I think Green Bay is just trying to secure the one seed. They don't care about keeping us out because we don't scare them. The Bears do not scare the Packers. And uh, I'm not saying that we should. I'm just saying, you know, if you're a Bear, if you're on the team, and you, you're well aware that Green Bay is not scared of us, I'm insulted. I'm pissed off, you know, because it's a lack of respect, and I want my respect. Let's go out and get it. Let's go out and, and uh, let's get after uh, Aaron Rodgers and force him to throw an interception or, or, you know, have him make a bad throw or, you know, there's Robert Gwynn, let's strip sack him from behind, knock the ball loose and, you know, get a turnover and, and something like that. Let's get something going against these guys and get some respect and then see what happens, you know. And um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. Um, the last time that we were in this situation, it didn't work out for us. Uh, but as you heard me say uh, back in 2013, uh, what a great game that was. You know, the back and forth between the Bears and the Packers. 
uh, the rivalry. It was in the cold in Soldier Field, that crazy Chicago crowd uh, and everything. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a magical night, except for the fact that Chris Conti ruined it all. Just, uh, I mean, per usual, much like Cody Parkey missing that field goal against Philadelphia wasn't the reason, wasn't the only reason we lost the game. Chris Conti is not the only reason that uh, that we lost that game against Green Bay. I mean, you heard Evan and I talk about the uh, that fumble that everyone just kind of stood around and looked at it and then, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe uh, uh, Jared Boykin is just going to pick it up and just kind of slowly and, like, confusedly trot his way into the end zone and, and it ended up counting as a touchdown because we just all sat around and watched him do it instead of recovering a rare Aaron Rodgers turnover. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there were other moments like that in the game that cost the Bears the game. Uh, eventually, that was a free touchdown that we gave Green Bay. So it wasn't all on Chris Conti. It's just that in the moment when we absolutely had to have it, Chris Conti was the only one that didn't get the audible, let Randall Cobb run right past him wide open for a touchdown. Fourth and eight. All we had to do was hold one more play. Chris Conti couldn't help us do it. So, yeah, for us, it's the Chris Conti game. For them, it's fourth and eight because that was the moment of their glory uh, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, again, thanks to Evan for coming in. Always have a great time talking to him. Might get a chance to talk to him again. Looking forward to that as well. Looking forward to this game on Sunday. But we're not done just yet. Come on back tomorrow. Uh, Start off the new year with me with the first deep dive preview of 2021 as we uh, close the book on week 17 or close the book on preparation for week 17 to get you ready for this big, big game on Sunday. Can we play our way in? Can we, can we, you know, you know, quiet the beast and earn our way into the postseason? Can we quiet the critics who keep saying that we haven't beaten anybody worth a thing, worth anything right now and get into the playoffs by beating a quote unquote real football team? Can we do it? I'm, I'm excited to see if this offense can hold up, uh, if our defense can show up, man. You know, as you heard me say to Evan, if, if we can get it figured out on defense, everybody knows what we're capable of on that side of the ball. How many times over the years have we played Green Bay and been able to contain their offense but always managed to lose because our offense couldn't generate enough points to win? You know, I, I, how many times have I read like a, a Peter King article that did the math? Like, okay, the Bears played the Packers twice this year, and they averaged 16 points a game in those two games, but, but the Bears, you know, got swept because they only managed 10. If only the Bears had an offense to compete with Green Bay. Now we have an offense that seemingly can keep up uh, with, you know, 30 points a game for the last four games. We can keep up. Now, can our defense slow them down enough for it to matter? That's going to be the real question on Sunday. We'll talk more about that tomorrow on the Deep Dive Preview. Guys, you're listening to this on New Year's Eve. Uh, everybody be safe and uh, stay healthy. If you're going out, wear the mask, social distance. It sucks, but we got to do it, man. You got to get this thing over with so we can get back to our real lives as opposed to the shell of our lives that we've had to deal with in this terrible year. So, Everybody be safe, be smart, have fun. Come back tomorrow 
on day one of 2021, and uh, we'll get this thing started. We'll uh, we'll get ready for 20. Uh, we'll get ready for week 17, Bears, Packers, and hopefully a playoff run. So come on back tomorrow. Happy New Year, everyone. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.